our Lord. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I think the Lord would have us to be interested in Matthew chapter number 20. These are the verses that God has laid upon my heart, Matthew chapter 20. I want to read the first 16 verses of this chapter in your hearing. If you would stand in reverence to the reading of God's word, I sure would appreciate it as we honor the Lord together. Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. For the kingdom of heaven is likened to a man that is an householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, I will give you. And they went their way. And again he went out about the sixth and ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle and saith unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? They say unto him, because no man hath hired us. He saith unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. So when the even was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, Call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more. And they likewise received every man a penny. And when they had received it, they murmured against the good man of the house, saying, These last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal with us, which have borne the burden and heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? Take that thine is, and go thy way. I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine eye evil because I am good? So the last shall be first, and the first last, for many be called, but few chosen. Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. I want to preach on this thought today, God being our helper. It pays to serve Jesus. Father, thank you for the word. Thank you for the good songs of Zion. Thank you for this great congregation that's assembled to get today. Thank you, Father, for your precious spirit that's working within our midst. I pray, God, we'd not be a hindrance, but God, you'd use us today. Father, we submit, surrender to you. We ask, God, that you'd help us. God, I cannot, but I know you can. Father, would you cleanse us? Would you fill us? Would you use us as your mouthpiece to be an encouragement and a help to this thy people. Lord, if there's someone here that's not saved, I pray you convict them and draw them to the place of salvation today. God, I pray for someone today who may be backslidden, that God, you'd restore them to the place of Lord of the service unto you. And Father, I pray for the home today that's hungry, for the home today that's hurting. God, for the home today that needs help, Lord, would you lay your hand upon them. Help us, Lord, I pray to boldly declare what thus saith the Lord, for it's in Jesus' name that I ask it. Amen. Thank you for standing this morning. You may be seated. Very familiar passage. Jesus has given us a parable about a very wealthy man who owns plenty of land that is filled with vineyards. 
Now, if you know anything about grapes, you don't need a lot of uh, help or a lot of attention during the regular season. But when the harvest comes, you're going to need loads and loads and plenty and plenty of help. And so the, the good man of the house, the landowner, he goes out to the marketplace. And in that day and time, there was a specific place where those that were for hire, they would stand. And the good man of the house goes out and he begins to hire workers. Now, I'm just going to say three things by introduction this morning, so don't put me on the clock yet. But first of all, we see the, recruit, the recruits that started early. At 6 a.m., those ones that were able-bodied, physically strong, went down to the marketplace, and the good men of the house got there at 6 a.m., and he said to them, if you'll work for me for a day from 6 a.m. until 6 p.m., I will give you a penny for a day's work. Now, that was very common in that day. A Roman soldier was paid a denarius, which is a penny a day for a day's labor, for a day's wage, for a day's labor. And uh, those marketplace laborers that day, they were tickled to death to get hired. They were excited to go out of the vineyard and go right to work. They had no qualms, no complaints. They were praising God for the opportunity to work that day that they might have something to eat. And then we come second of all to the responders that started eventually. The Bible says that the good man of the house went out about the third hour, that's at 9 a.m., and again at the sixth hour, which is at noon, and again at the ninth hour, which is at 3 p.m. And he goes out and he says to this, say the nine o'clock group, a second group of laborers, he says, I tell you what, are you still for hire? Yes. If you'll go and work in my vineyard, I'll give you whatsoever is right. They said, glory to God. And they went out and worked. At noontime, he still needed more laborers. He went back to the marketplace and said, are y'all for hire? Yes. If you'll go out and work in my vineyard, I'll give you whatsoever is right. Praise God. They took off. At 3 p.m., he went back out to the marketplace he said, I need more laborers. Are y'all for hire? Yes. Well, I know that nine hours a day are spent, but whatsoever is right, I'll give you. Praise God. They went out and got to work. You see, they were responders that started eventually. Then we see a third group, verses 6 and 7, about the 11th hour. It is the reinforcements that started at the end. At 5 p.m., the man of the house, the householder, he goes back out into the marketplace and says, I still need more laborers. It's five o'clock. You've stood here all day idle. No man's hired you. Oh no, they said. It's the close of the day. Nobody has hired us. Hear their cry of despair. No man has hired us. I don't know if they were lazy. I don't know if they were indifferent. I don't know if they were apathetic. I don't know if they were just physically out of shape. But there they still stood, stood at five o'clock. And they're not going to do much in an hour's time. And then the man of the household, the, the, the householder, he knows that they're not going to get a lot of work done in that last hour of the day. But he goes to them hearing their cry of despair and he gives them a call to duty. You go also and whatsoever is right, that will I give you. And they were tickled to death. Now they've all worked, some from 6 a.m., some from 9 a.m., some from noon, some from 3 p.m., and some from 5 p.m. And at 6 o'clock, even time, the trumpet blared. 
The work day is over, glory to God. And they're gonna be called to the home, amen, where they're gonna receive their pay. The Bible says in verse number eight that the Lord of the vineyard said to his stewards, call the laborers, uh, to his steward, call the laborers, give them their hire, beginning at the last unto the first. Now they have no idea, the last group, what they're going to receive. They've agreed to work one hour. They have no idea, but they're not expecting a whole lot, but they go up and show up anyway for payday. Amen. And guess what? To their amazement, verse 9 says that he gave those that worked for one hour, he gave them a penny. The same thing that the crowd that was hired at 6 a.m., they got a full day's pay, though they only worked for one single hour. Wow, what about that? And likewise and so on. And verse 10 says, but when the first came, they saw what the other group received and they supposed, they thought, you know what? If he's giving them a full day's wage, man, we're gonna get ready to retire and go on Social Security. We're gonna get a great payday right here. They're excited to death. They supposed that they should have received more. But the good man of the house he gave them a penny as well. Verse 11 says when they received it, the Bible says they murmured against the good man of the house. Somebody said to me one time, Preacher Darren, are there any bad words in the Bible? Yeah, there's one right here. Murmuring. It has hindered and hurt more churches than anything else ever has. Murmuring and complaining and backbiting and fussing and gossiping. Did you see that? That wasn't right. We don't like it. We're upset. We ought to got more. What about that? Hear them murmuring. Hear them complaining. They said to the good men of the house, look at it, verse 12, you have made them equal to us. And everybody knew. Everybody knows we're the best. Everybody knows we're better than everybody else here. You've made us equal. They said we've borne the burden and the heat of the day. Look at our skin. It's blistered. It's sunburnt. We've worked hard. We've sweated. We've labored. This is absolutely not fair. It's just not fair what we've had to suffer. And the good men of the house said in verse 13, Friend, I did thee no wrong. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? Is not it lawful for me to do what I will with my own? Wow, what a parable. What does it mean? Real quickly, I want to give you three takeaways that I'm going to be done. Number one, I see that Jesus is the origination. Jesus is the origination. What does that mean? He's the householder. He's the Lord of the vineyard. He's the good man of the house. Everything belongs to him. The Bible says in John chapter one, turn there. John chapter one. In the beginning was the word, capital W for word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Look at verse three. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. He is creator God. He is the landowner. Let me say today, everything you have belongs to him. 
If today you've just made your last payment on your house, 360 months ago you took out a mortgage and you just made the last payment and you say today a four-letter word, it's mine, M-I-N-E, I paid it off, it's mine. Honey, go back and look at your deed. It was somebody else's before it was yours and after you're dead and gone, it'll go to somebody else and after they're dead and gone, it'll go to somebody else. You see why? The Lord, all things belong to him. The land is his, everything is his. The ground on which this church is built, it belongs to the Lord God Almighty. You may say, well, preacher Darren, I just made 60 payments. No, I made 72. Somebody says, bless God, I made 84 payments on my sweet new car. You have no idea. It's mine. It's never been anybody else's. Check the title deed. I bought it from that very first day. They wrote it off the floor there in Detroit City, up there in Michigan. It is mine, honey. Hey, you go back and check where the metal came from. I'd let you find out in your 2022 Cadillac that it has been melted down that metal and it was made from a 1972 dart. I'm telling you, everything, you, you'll find out, everything belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. Say amen. It belongs to God, amen. You need to get that in your head. No, it is not yours. That gets you so upset because you learned that word before you ever got to kindergarten. You knew the word mine. It's mine. It's mine. I think some of the first words some of you spoke was not mama or daddy. It was mine. Amen. That's the first words you ever spoke. Say amen. It's mine. Second of all, I want to make, I want to see Jesus and his observation. Now, uh, those murmurers in verses 10 and 11, uh, they're complaining, they're, fur they're fussing, they're griping. And you know what they're saying? Another four-letter word. This is not fair. It's just not fair. I mean, they worked one hour and we worked 12 hours and it's not fair. May I say this today? You ought to thank God that he's not fair. Because if he really gave you what you deserve, you'd be in hell with your back broke. I just want to go on record and say, grace is not fair. It wouldn't be grace if it was. Let me say, God is not fair. Preacher Dad, God's just not fair. He's not been treating me fairly. Honey, you ought to praise God for that. God's not fair, but he's right. Every single thing that he does, God is right. Now, Jesus, we said, was a householder. He's the good man of the house. He's the Lord of the vineyard. Look in verse, verse number four. He said to that group, he said, I'll pay you whatsoever is right. He says at the end of the day in verse number seven, he says, I'll pay you whatsoever is right. He said, after they were complaining, he said, friend, I did you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a penny? He says, is your eye evil because I'm good? Are you mad because God's been good to you? Coach, you take the Super Bowl, and the Super Bowl winner from last year, whoever that was, they won the Super Bowl. I can't get so old, I can't even remember nowadays. I'm sure I watched it, but I, I don't remember who won. And whoever won the Super Bowl, they're all going to get championship Super Bowl rings. They're going to be so excited. And every person that played any down, first, second, third, or fourth down, 
any person that even was on the practice squad with that football team is going to get a Super Bowl championship ring even if they never got into the game because they're on the team. Now, you may say, hey, I played quarterback for, the, for another team. We had a losing record. But I played more than that practice squad did over there. I mean, I deserve more of a ring than they do. No, honey, you played on the wrong team. Hey, man, you need to decide today whose team you're going to get on, amen. God is not fair, but God is right. Thank God for it. I got to thinking, one of the greatest revivals I ever saw a young preacher by the name of Brian Gillum. I had him preach in this building when we were in the old sanctuary. Brother Brian got saved when he was four years old. You may say, Preacher Darren, I don't think a kid four years old can get saved. Honey, that's God's business, and that was that young man's business. It's not your business. That's the whole problem that you have right there. God's not fair. It belongs to me. You're trying to make God's business your business. He's Listen, he's God before you ever got in, amen. He's been good at being God. He, he doesn't need any more training than being God. You just leave him alone, amen. amen. Brian got saved when he was four years old. God called Brian to preach when he was about eight or nine years old. And at 16 years of age, he came to preach at my daddy's church. And when he stood behind the pulpit and preached, that night a few souls got saved. And my dad said, son, can you come back tomorrow and do that again? And he come back. He said, sure, preacher, I'll be glad. He come back Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, went the next week, went the next week. I mean, listen, there was literally hundreds of people getting saved. I heard people in the community say, a 16-year-old boy don't even know. He hardly even knows God. He don't know anything about revival. You need somebody up there that really knows what they're doing. Well, the crowd had been up there preaching that, did, that supposedly knew what they was doing. God hadn't used them like that. So give me a greenhorn, amen, that don't know what he's doing. And God used him in a mighty way. The greatest revival meeting I think I've ever saw in my life. And I asked him to come over here and God stirred it up, got it going on over here even. It was unbelievable. At 20-some years of age, Brian contracted a deadly disease. And by 29, Brian had been called off to glory. He's dead and he went off to heaven. And it broke my heart. And I wept much because I loved him and loved him dearly. How God used him in the 25 years that he was saved. And God took him home to heaven. During that time, I, had, I was a, I asked to go see a man that was on his deathbed. And, and I went to see him and I talked to him about Jesus and began to witness to him. And the man began to face reality and having heard the gospel before. And, and he said, I believe that God's dealing with me right now, preacher. I said, son, if you'll call on him, he'd save you right now. And that man got saved in that hospital bed. And three days later, that man went out and met God into eternity. And I believe he went to heaven. And his, his widow woman, his widow wife, became to, began to come to our church after that. We'd made friends. I'd never met him before this hospital visitation. It was somebody's neighbor that went to our church. And I want you to know that uh, I, I was standing with someone the, the next day and after this guy died. And, and they said, well, do you think he went to the same heaven Apostle Paul went to? There ain't another one to go to. So yeah, that's the same one. 
And, and so preach, and I told him about Brian Gillum getting saved at four, serving God 25 years, and how God used him in a mighty way. He said, you're telling me that that man that laid on his deathbed, uh, got, finally got saved, he lived for God three days, three days, He's going to the same heaven that that young boy that preached that mighty revival and served God for 25 years. They're going to the same place. I said, yes, that's, that's just not fair, he said. Well, it depends on which side of that you're looking at, amen. <laughs> I began to think about, uh, there's another young man. He, he got saved at four years of age. He, he started preaching at nine years of age, much like Brian. And at 16 years of age, he was asked to become a pastor. And he pastored a large congregation. God used him mightily. And, and he went into school and he, he met his wife there. They got married. He went into foreign ministries. He, he served in China. He led literally millions of people across the globe to the Lord Jesus Christ. And at 75 years of age, he had served God 71 years. He died and went to heaven. When he came back here to the States, Billy Graham performed his funeral. And he said to this man, he said, I believe he's probably the greatest foreign missionary with the greatest foreign missionary vision that we've ever seen in my lifetime. And they buried him and how they rejoiced that this man had served God and went to heaven. And then I get to thinking about a story by the name, a baseball player by the name of Mickey Mantle. Y'all ever heard of Mickey, Mickey Mantle? Mickey Mantle was a baseball player for the New York Yankees. He was very, very talented. Uh, people said of, of Mickey that he uh, had such talents of mastery with his glove. He won gold gloves. Mastery with his bats. He won uh, the on-base percentage. He, he won the home run award. He, he won the RBI award. I mean, award after all. But he could not master, though he mastered the bat, mastered the glove, he could not master life's passions. And he began to become a drunkard. And there were days he wandered into the Yankees clubhouse drunk and they still put him on the field and he may strike out every time or he might get lucky and hit it a mile and get a home run. And people loved him. On that team was a second baseman by the name of Bobby Richardson. Somebody Look at somebody say, Bobby Richardson played second base for the Yankees. I didn't know that. Bobby Richardson would go up, they called Mickey Mantle the Mick. He'd go up and put his arm around him and say, Mick, son, God loves you. I love you. I want you to go to heaven. And Mick would look at him and say, listen, I don't need religion. I, I don't need Jesus. I, I, I love you too, Bobby. I, I thank you for considering me, but I really don't need that stuff. I've got fame and fortune. I, I, I've, got, I've got women. I, 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 everybody loves me. I, I don't have many enemies. I'm doing great. I, I don't need those things. And Bobby would beg him. He'd witness to him about Jesus over and over and over. And finally the day came when they both retired. And Bobby Richardson, he bought a house here in North Carolina. Preacher, I didn't know that. Bobby Richardson bought a house in North Carolina. And the Mick went to the Dallas, Texas area. And because of all the uh, problems he had with the drink, he got cirrhosis and other problems. And he began to die. It was in a Dallas hospital. And all his family and all the people that loved him gathered around. And he said, I need y'all to go get Bobby Richardson in North Carolina and get him down here to me. And they called Bobby and said, Bobby, can you come? Mick wants to see you. He said, I'll be right there. He got up on a plane. He flew out of North Carolina. He went into Dallas, Texas. He went, got a taxi cab. He went into the hospital. He, he, when he got there, Mick said, hey, it's so good to have everybody. I'm going to ask everybody to leave my room. I just want to talk to Bobby. Old teammates, one-on-one, -on -one, want to talk. And this is what Bobby said. Bobby said, I walked over to him and said, Mick, 
Son, it's not too late. God loves you. Man, I love you. I want you to go to heaven. Mick says, well, that's just a thing, Bobby. You told me all this about Jesus and how he died on the cross and how he loved me and how he was buried and raised again and, and how he could forgive me my sins and take away the drink and the problems that I have. And Well, Bob, three nights ago, I asked Jesus. I remembered what you said, and I asked Jesus to forgive me. And Bobby, I just want to go on record. I, I don't want you to hear it from somebody else in North Carolina. I want you to hear it from the mixed lips. Jesus came into my room three nights ago and saved my soul. And Bobby, I thank you. Man, you were so right. I was so wrong all that time. I was such, a, I was such an idiot. I did not understand how much I needed Jesus Christ in my life. How much I needed to be born again. And man, they embraced. And Bobby said, thank God, one of these days you'll go to heaven. Within eight days, the mick died and he went to heaven. He went to the same heaven, living for God eight days, that that preacher, that foreign missionary, for 71 years that served God faithfully, they went to the same heaven. You may say, preacher Darren, that's just not fair. That's just not. It might not be fair, but it's right. Honey, God is always right. You may feel like today, Preacher Darren, what's going on in my life? So-and-so's got blessings. I've been serving God 52 years and I've got all these issues and here's somebody been serving God three years and they're so blessed and they're so favored. Here's your problem. You need to get your eyes off the other servants and you need to get your eyes back on Jesus Christ, amen. And when you see how he suffered for you and you compared what you're going through to what he went through, honey, you'll get your eyes back on Jesus. You'll get your eyes back to the right place and you'll say, you know what? It's not fair. I ought to be the one dying on that cross. But thank God he's not fair, amen. Thank God he's right. What God does is right. So Jesus is the origination. He's the householder. He's the owner. He's the, he's the landlord, if you will say that. He's the good man of the house. Jesus has made an observation, amen. God is always right, amen. Thirdly, and I'll be done. In this scripture, I see Jesus and his operation. Anybody, whether you come at 6 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 5 o'clock, anybody that comes to Jesus, he'll save one, he'll save all, amen. I think about maybe this represents the stages of life. Maybe at 6 a.m. in the morning, that represents little boys and little girls. Maybe four years old like Brian. Maybe four years old like that missionary. You may say, Preacher Darren, I think four years old or eight years old or six years old is much too young. Honey, I already told you one time, stay out of God's business. If God is big enough to convict them and draw them at that age in their life, you just need to stand back and say, hallelujah. The devil fights them enough already. They don't need you helping the devil out. Amen. So I think that represents little boys and little girls. And let me tell you something. We've seen them here at the school. We've seen them here in Bible school. We've seen them come one, come all. Many young people coming to Jesus Christ. I think about Hattie Mae Wyatt. She came to a little church there, and the church was so filled with Sunday school, they couldn't even get her in the room. And she wandered back off the property, and the preacher was there, and he saw her, and he picked her up and said, Hattie, what's wrong? She said, they say there's no room for me. I have no seat. He went to the Sunday school class. When he walked in, everybody moved. They gave the preacher a seat. 
but they wouldn't give Hattie a seat. He said, if there's not a seat for Hattie, there's not a seat for me. It's time for y'all to scooch over and let somebody else in, amen. Let me tell you what happened. Little Hattie back in them days, she caught double pneumonia. She died, and after she got saved at their little church there, she died and went out and met God, and she's in heaven right now. And the preacher came over to see the family. He was asking, he said, listen, I, 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 just, I, I want to preach your funeral. I know you've asked me to, but I just feel like I need to be in a room. I just want to be around. So they opened her little room, and he walked in there, and he saw a little change purse that was laying there on her dresser, and he, he picked it up. And, and the mother, he said, can I see this? The mother said, yes. And she unzipped it for me. He looked down in it, and there was a note. And it said, for my church, for more children to come, 57 cents she had saved. 57 cents she had saved to give to the church so that more people could come to church. Well, 57 cents is never going to build a building, you think. But the preacher got it, and he walked to the pulpit, that little red change purse, and he emptied that 57 cents out, and he told that congregation and a man that owned the property right next door, he said, you know what? I was getting ready to put that land for sale. He said, but today, it just costs 57 cents. <laughs> In fact, I'm just going to give it to y'all. It's, it's yours. It made the paper. It went out far and wide. They, construction came in. Monies came in from all across the country. Why, Temple Hospital, Temple University, is built on the very place that Hattie Mae Wyatt with 57 cents had a burden for. Honey, what could God do if you and I would really get a burden for our community and for our churches? But our problem is we're only burdened about what's mine and it's not fair. Honey, get your eyes off that. Get your eyes on Jesus. See the possibilities. 57 cents is more than enough in God's economy. Look in the red back hymnal, number five, seven, amazing grace. Amen. Hallelujah to God for it, amen. Well, preacher Darren, what do you think that, that the nine o'clock crowd is? Teenagers. Honey, teenagers, I've never seen the interest. in the, If you're a teenager today, I want to tell y'all, I have never seen the interest of the teenage generation in the long years of my ministry like I have today. You may say, Preacher Darren, look at our economy. Look, look, Preacher Darren, look at us politically. Lord, look at us morally. Look at us socially. Look at us, Preacher Darren. I mean, there's a failure of every system economically, socially, morally, all around us. I'm so discouraged. Get your eyes off that stuff. Get your eyes on Jesus. I've never seen such interest as I'm seeing right now, and I'm excited. Preacher Darren, what about that noonday crowd? The day's halfway gone. Talking about us adults. They some adults, you need to get saved. You've said you are, but that, look at your life. That's not what Jesus does. You've never asked him to save you. you you're worried what your mama's still going to say. Well, I'll get right after she dies. Honey, you better get right before you die. What about that 3 p.m. crowd? That's senior adults, I believe. Senior adults. Let me tell you, I've seen people 81. Not Miss, Miss Essie, just down the road right here, was in her 90s. I went down there to her little Chinese restaurant, started witnessing to her. And honey, she said, Preacher Darren, every day I pray for mercy. Do you know every time in the Bible that somebody asks for mercy, he always gave it. 
And I said, Miss Essie, it's time for you today to start praying for grace. Jesus wants to save you. She said, Preacher, I'll have you know Billy Graham's been to my restaurant. I said, I don't doubt it. He's witness to me. I said, I don't doubt it. Why didn't you get saved? She named all the preachers. She said, but here this little toe-headed, freckle-faced boy is going to come from down the road and tell me about Jesus. I said, honey, it's not about who tells you. It's about who died on the cross. It's about who was born, who was buried, and who was raised from the grave. And honey, she got saved. 90-something years of age. And she went to heaven. And one day I'll see her again. Amen. Oh, preacher, what about that 5 p.m. crowd? I believe it represents somebody who's on their deathbed. I've told you about some people. But in my years of ministry, 30, 30, 30 years of ministry, I've only seen it a handful of times. It is seldom and far and few between. You may say, preacher, I'm going to wait till the day I die to get. Honey, I'm telling you, it don't work like that. It don't work like that. Oh boy, here I go. Where I used to pastor, don't get mad, but where I used to pastor, we had vacation Bible school. And at the end of vacation Bible school, on Thursday night, I would preach to the kids. And after I preached to the kids, we would get balloons. And we would blow them up. And we would take a Sharpie marker. And we would write a prayer object on there, teaching the kids about prayer. And we'd let the balloons go. Just, just don't hold on to it. Let your prayer requests go into God. Just let them go. And whoof, there they went. The wind took them away. And we watched. Well, I got a burden for a little girl that got saved in our Bible school for her grandpa. I got a terrible burden. Word had it he'd killed a man. And he had. Got off on a technicality. Word had it he had steel. Steels up in the woods. And he did. And I drove to where the pavement ends. And I jumped out of my car and I walked up a trail up the side of this hill. It was like a pig trail. And I walked up the side of this hill and when I came out in the opening, there he was on a tractor. And he was working that tractor back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I walked out, I had my tie on. I walked out and I waved at him. He went, Preacher! And he motioned for me. We went back to the barn. He drove his tractor to the barn. And I went over to him. And I said, The Lord sent me up here to talk to you today. I want to talk to you about your soul. He said, The Lord what? And when he did that, I smelled his breath. It wasn't just bad breath. It was alcohol. He was drinking. I'm telling you. I said, Lord, you've sent me up here to witness this man. And look, he is just as drunk. God said, well, when I saved you, was you a sinner? I was a sinner, but I wasn't drunk. Leave it alone, boy. I see all sins the same. I said, well, I want him to make a sober. You leave him alone. I'll sober him up. We went over to his we went over to his porch. He said, will you sit down? I sat down. I looked in the corner for a shotgun or for a knife laying somewhere. And I began to witness and talk to him. And he, we talked about the azaleas in his front yard and the boxwoods and the beautiful roses and the flowers. And finally started getting a little chilly and, and outside of where he lived up on the side of that mountain. He said, let's go inside. We went inside. I looked everywhere again for knives and weapons. And, and finally I, I got down. I said, listen, your granddaughter got saved at our church. He said, I heard about it. Well, that's why God sent me up here. Listen, she got saved at our church, and if you don't get saved, you're never going to see her again. You're going to die and go to hell, and she's going to go to heaven. He said, don't you come into my house telling me that my granddaughter's going to go to heaven, and I'll never see her again. You're a pretty brave man. You know, I killed people. He said, I heard. He told his wife, he said, go get it. Well, I was trying to watch him. My eyes trying to float down the hallway to watch where she was going. She went down the hallway. She went in the back bedroom back there. 
she come carrying something, both hands out like this. I thought, Lord God, here it comes. She reached it to me and I looked. He said, explain it. I said, it's a, it's a balloon. It's a blue balloon. And I stretched it out. It said, God save Papa." Love, Devin. I said, where'd you get this? He said, you know very well where I got it. You sat on my front porch and you talked about the boxwoods and the azaleas and that's where it was led. You've been here before, boy. You're lying. All that stuff you're telling me. I said, no, sir. I began to weep. I said, let me tell you what we did. She got saved and we let those balloons go. I, I didn't see what all those children wrote on it. There's no way I could feasibly look at every one of them. And, and we let them go. He said, what's the chances it's going to fly from your church through the woods and let them out? I said, well, the wind was blowing that way. And it was, I, I said, 100% chance because God's right. God don't ever make a mistake. He landed that on his boxwoods right there. And I looked at him. I said, let me tell you something. You're not just me, sir, but your very own granddaughter is burning about your soul. And she doesn't want to see you die and go to hell. That Jesus loves you. I begin to beg him. Man, he fell off his couch. He got down on his knees. He said, right now, preacher, you think God can save a old murderer? I said, he saved Moses. Moses was a murderer. He saved Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul was a murderer. He said, come, said the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And that day that old boy got saved. Amen. I embraced him. I said, will you come to church Sunday? He said, I don't know about going to church. He said, you think it'll help me? I said, it won't hurt you. <laughs> he looked. This is what he said to me. He said, I'd take a bullet for you, boy. He said, there ain't nobody I know that's got enough faith and enough guts and enough backbone to walk into this house, I've got a steel right up there, drugs back there in that bedroom, I've killed people, and you tell me I'm dying and going to hell, you're a brave boy. But if you're brave enough to tell me this and I got saved, then I'm brave enough to go to church with you. Say amen. He come in between Sunday school, I know I'm long preaching, but I really don't care. He came in between Sunday school and preaching hour. And I was standing up here, and my superintendent said, <gasps> That's, look, preacher, oh, there's going to be trouble. I said, no, I ain't him. Oh, I know it is, preacher. There's going to be trouble. I said, it ain't him. You know why? Because God, the old things have passed away, and behold, all things are made new. He said, I, I said, let me, just leave him alone. I'm glad he's here. Let me tell you something. I finished preaching that day. God saved two or three more that morning. Hallelujah. I took me a flying running fit. That boy jumped up. Listen, he jumped up in the back. He said, preacher, I got something I got to say. I said, I reckon you do. He said, I will let, let everybody know, especially my granddaughter sitting right up there. Honey, don't worry about Grandpa anymore. The preacher come by the other night and I got what y'all call saved, amen. I busted up my steel, amen. I flushed my drugs down the toilet. I'm in the house of God today. Jesus has made a change in me. Hey, give God the glory, amen. I took off running and he grabbed me and threw me and I landed right back on my feet and kept on getting it for the glory of God. I want to tell you today, honey, it, you may sit here today and say, preacher, what's going on in my life just ain't fair. No, it may not be fair, but it's what's right.
It's what God's ordered. It's what God's allowed to get your attention. Honey, get your eyes off other certain. There's somebody today. God, forgive me. Get my eyes off other people. God, forgive me for murmuring and complaining. God, help me today to have faith like little Devin had. It's not too late for your family members. There may be a balloon released. There may be a prayer headed their way now. Amen. You stand to your feet. Brother Seth, you come. Maybe there's somebody here down. The altar's open. Heaven's open. The altar's open. Won't you bring your, your object to the Lord? Our singer's hung. Somebody go get God. Somebody go get God. Come tell him right now. Talk to him about it. Amen. Boy, I'm telling you, he wants to work in your life more than you want him to. Open yourself up to the will of God. Open yourself up to the plan of God. Come on right now. Come on right now. Mind him. Mind him, church. Mind him. Hallelujah. Father, this morning, oh, let me tell you today, if you've never been saved, glory to God, what a day to get saved this morning. You may say, preacher, your head's bowed, nobody's looking. Preacher, will you pray for me? I need to be saved. I want to go to heaven like that young boy, Brian Gillum. I went home at 20-some years of age. I want to be saved today. Is anybody? I want to be saved like that old boy up on the side of the hill. Preacher, Darren, I need to be saved. Slip up your hand. I want to pray for you. I'll not embarrass you. I want to pray for you, preacher. I need to be saved. I want to go to heaven, preacher Darren. I want to be saved. Lord, today you saw, you know the needs. Father, this morning we bow ourselves before you and we tell you, we're so corrupt. We're so self-centered and self-focused. Everything is mine, 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 and it's not fair. It's not fair. And all we do is when we have conversation, it's really just complaining and gossiping. And Lord, forgive us, Lord, of our sinfulness. Forgive us of getting our eyes on other servants and getting our eyes off the good man of the house, getting our eyes off the Lord of the vineyard. Father, thank you for souls you've saved not just in the last week, but down through the years. You've been faithful, God. I praise you, Lord. And God, I ask this morning, Lord, that you'd work, you'd touch, you'd bless, you'd meet needs, you'd answer prayer requests. Lord, we believe you today. And Lord, we look to you today. Father, would you touch us today? Breathe on us, God. Help us, Lord, to have peace. Help us, God, to receive the Holy Ghost. Help us, God, to receive answered prayers today, God. Lord, I pray for our family members that, God, you'd save them, Lord, before it's everlasting too late. Thank you, God, for encouraging our hearts. It does pay. Oh, yes, it does pay to serve Jesus. For this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.